Lunch with Pippa Hudson. And now, Consumer Talk featuring Wendy Nola. And it's lovely to have Wendy back with us in studio after her uh, car crash uh, oh, travails yes. last week. Nice to have you back Thanks, again. Papa. Yes, okay. back in our home studio. Absolutely. We're going to be giving you an update on recycling in South Africa. And uh, we'll also make space for an open line after 1.30 where you can call in on any consumer query. And uh, we will also, in that second half hour, I think, update you on uh, a story around a scam that was targeting small businesses. So uh, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But first, Wendy, it is actually World Environment Day it today. Is. So a very good day uh, to talk about to talk recycling. One of my, my favorite topics, yes. And what better way to get caught up with the, the latest trends than to spend a day with an organization that's a repository for recyclable waste and doing some incredible things with it too. So that's what I did on Monday. I spent time at the Wildlands uh, Conservation Trust's recycling depot in Howick, KZN, my home province. And then I visited one of its impressive recycling villages at a nearby shopping mall in um, Hilton. Um, it's sponsored by Woolworths, Nedbank, um, uh, Dow, and uh, Yes, which is the Youth Employment Service, which is also connected with, with um, Nedbank. Okay. So putting their bunny with their, with their, their mouths. Where they're green, yes, exactly. Yeah. So um, what... They, they provide three people to run, educate them on the recycling, and, and they man or staff these this this depot. Okay. Um, what they've done is they've upgraded two existing recycling villages, and um, there'll be three new ones opening up at uh, popular KZN shopping centres. I went to the one at um, at Hilton. Um, my word, the smartest, cleanest, most organized, just really? a myriad of different color wheelie bins, you know, plastic, there'd be like, you know, seven different kinds. So people are being educated, told, no, um, this actually you can't recycle and being put in a aside, big yeah. side to go to the, to the landfill. Ideally, it would be lovely to have one of those at every shopping center, but it does require a lot of sponsorship. I mean, yep. it, it, obviously those people need to be trained. Um, and of course, buy-in from the shopping centers to see the merit in sacrificing a lot of their very valuable parking. Park. Space I heard the stat is like yeah. ten thousand rand a parking in terms of you know the value of retail space. Wow! Okay. So you can see there needs to be buy-in. But then again, these things are driven by us, the consumers. So if you feel strongly about it, you know, go to your your Cavendish you, or your Constantia Village. Go to the management and say, you know, are you who are you working with to get this established? Because this yeah. is you know, and if they realize it's going to drive people. To their store, to their, yeah. to their center, then that might start making a difference. So, um, yeah, so I spent time um, at the Wildlands Recycling Depot in Howick, and that's when I saw two most amazing projects and, again, got in some insights into the current recycling trends. Um, you know, the, the sad reality is that a lot of the packaging, which many well-intentioned South Africans think is going to be recycled. They put it into the recy- their recycling stream. Um, they may as well though, have tossed it into the black bag and sent it off to, to landfill because it's going to end up there anyway. It's just because there's a big difference between recyclable technically mm. and re- being recycled currently in South Africa or in your province because there needs to be, it needs to be economic to recycle. If it's too expensive or too dangerous, as in the case of aerosols, it won't be. Okay. And, um, if there's no market, if there isn't a healthy market for it, you know, it's just, it's, there's no point in, in recycling something if the recyclable 
um, material that you're left with is, is not going to find a market. Okay, so the cost issues are important ones, and we're going to discuss those with uh, Wild Trust CEO Andrew Fenter in about three minutes from now. He will be with us at 20 past one. He's going to step out of a meeting okay, uh, to good. chat to us. In the meantime, though, let's just talk at some of the, uh, some of the big picture figures here. Wendy, the Department of Environmental Affairs actually issues a state of the waste report. Yes. What do the figures tell us about how much we generate? In 2017, South Africa generated 54.2 million tons of general waste. I don't think that means much to any of us unless you could actually sort of see it in one giant. Yeah, yeah, but the important relevant statistic is that an estimated 38.6% of that waste was recycled. So that's back, that's the 2017 figure. It is impressive, especially when you consider that the figure five years previously was just 10%. So from 10% to 38.6, definitely moving in the right direction. Absolutely. Having said that, though, so that's a nearly 30% increase in a period of five years. That is very impressive. But then you can't ignore the other part of that equation, Wendy, because if we're recycling not quite 40%, that means 60% of our waste is not being recycled. And ending up in the dump. And that is something we just can't afford to be having um, in 2019. Yeah. So the question then is, how do we improve that figure? And I know you've spoken often about the fact that one way to get moving forwards on this is to start having consumers properly understand what the recycling labels mean. And if they don't, ask questions and ask ask retailers and manufacturers about their packaging choices. So many South Africans assume that packaging marked with a number and a triangle can be recycled. In fact, something that, uh, we've mentioned this on the show before, something that the number inside that little triangle means, that's how many times it can be recycled. Which is a complete fallacy. Complete, yes. So what that number is, is it refers to the resin type. It's it's put there not for us, the consumer, but for the waste collectors. Um, Andrew Fenter calls them wastepreneurs. But I love the term reclaimers because it's such an empowering term. And actually what they're doing is taking responsibility for our bad choices. We're putting things in the stream that goes to landfill that have got value. So they're recognizing the value in what we've tossed away. And, and reclaiming um, the and value. reclaiming yeah. it, and on it goes to live the life that it that it can live if it's mm. handled properly. Yeah. So Woolies and and Shoprite Checkers have started to guide consumers on their packaging with more helpful, honest recycling information, such as you'll see on a on a, on a checkers pack not recycled currently. Um, and Will Wurst will put a line through, through the, the recycling triangle. Thing. Yes. And of course, of course, this has created the impression in some consumers that oh, Will Wurst has got all this. Packaging that you can't recycle, I'd rather buy from somewhere else. But that other retailer or manufacturer is just not saying that, <laughs> that it's, it's not, not recyclable. recyclable. Yeah. So you have to be careful to get the full picture there. I had this conversation with a, a friend of mine who was quite outraged. Uh, I had to say it's not what it appears. Just because they're telling, not telling you it's not currently recycled doesn't mean it actually is. Is recyclable, yeah. So some of these players are getting the, 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 the raw end of the, the perception deal because they're choosing to disclose. Anyway. So if one re- – yeah, um, I want to talk about PET. It's Plastic Recycling's poster child, a record 2.15 billion PET bottles are recycled in 2017, according to the uh, Petco, the PET recycling company. And that's a recycle rate of 65%, one of the best in the world, far better than the U.S., for example. Yeah. Um, and it's a win all round because thousands of jobs are created. The used plastic bottles are turned into fiberfill for duvets and pillows, into fruit trays, car carpets, insulation, even brand new bottles. A massive amount of scarce landfill space is spared. And, of course, plastic producer, p- pollution is dramatically reduced. But, yeah, 65%. 
it's possibly not something we should be congratulating ourselves on because as um, Andrew Fenter says, he's the CEO of Wild Trust, um, it's it's not good enough in 2019. And I think we hopefully... We've, we've got Andrew with us Great. and I want to bring him in at this point. Andrew, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Um, should we be patting ourselves on the back at that figure? Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, well, I think, you know, my response to that is no. Um, and so if you took the, the PET bottle example, so 65% is fantastic. But what that means is that every single day in South Africa, there are 3.3 million bottles that are not recycled. And I'm not sure that that is something we should be proud of. And I yeah. think that is a figure that consumers can get their head around. 3.3 yes. 3 million. Every day. Every day, yeah. I'm going to have to tweet that. Okay. That, I mean, that is a staggering figure. And as you say, it is one that uh, I think your average person can wrap their head around. So, Andrew, I thought it would be useful today to take a look at where the value lies in the recycling chain. And from those wastepreneurs' perspective, which are the most sought-after kinds of, of recyclable items that they're looking for? Yeah, so there's really three streams that um, your informal sector are focused on. So aluminium cans, big breakthrough in South Africa, achieving a really good rate. Um, a waste picker will be getting between 5 and 10 rand a kilogram for that. Then PET bottles. At the moment, the market has dropped significantly. So your, your informal sector are probably getting two to three rand a kilogram. And then HD bottles. So HD is milk bottles, just to think about it. There's lots mm-hmm. of different forms, but HD bottles. Those are the three primary drivers. Paper has fallen through the floor, used to be a big driver. Um, so the market has shrunk, but it'll hopefully come back at some stage. Do we know why that is, uh, Andrew? So uh, there's a number of different reasons. So um, I think uh, consumer demand is uh, slowly shrinking. We don't see the impact of um, technology. We we see dumping of paper in South Africa. You know, we we talk about dumping of chicken, but we get, we get dumping of paper in South Africa. And the the paper producers are a little compromised because many of them grow their own paper in the form of timber. And so their priority is to use their own sources before they are using recycled material. Okay, so they would rather use uh, yeah, virgin paper th- than recycled. Given that, I mean, does that mean recycling uh, is just not a viable business model for them? Um, I, look, I think it has to become a viable business yeah. model, so we've got to figure that out. Um and I do think that that comes down to consumer pressure and society increasingly turning around and saying, guys, it's unacceptable. Let me give you a white paper example. So I've given you the 3.3 million PET bottles mm-hmm. per day. Per day, we see 1,600,000 kilograms of paper going into our environment that is not recycled in South Africa. Sure. Wow. Wow. Sure. Okay, mind-blowing. Yeah, that, that, that is a staggering figure. <laughs> 1.6 million kilograms. kilograms. Yeah. yeah. Wow, okay. okay. What about glass, Andrea? Because I, I think a lot of people have in their heads that uh, that uh, glass is better than plastic because glass can be recycled. Uh, how, is, is recycling of glass a viable proposition in the current market? Uh, no. So glass is a massive problem. So, of course, we would definitely be encouraging glass in many ways, mainly because it's not made from fossil fuel. 
but there's um, a number of key problems with glass. So the first thing is glass is made from sand, and sand is illegally harvested in South Africa. There's no legal mining of, of sand in South Africa. So all the sand that turns glass is illegally sourced. Secondly, because it's illegally sourced, it's cheaply sourced, and so it's coming in at a price that undercuts the cost of recycled glass. And so re- when you are collecting and selling glass, it's one of the lowest priced recyclables. So if you're an a, a informal sector that's selling it on, you're getting between 20 and 25 cents a kilogram, and that doesn't cover your cost. And so then if you then look at recycling rates, and I'll give you a KZN example, yeah? So on, an, uh, on a month-to-month basis, there are around about 20,000 tons of glass going into KwaZulu-Natal. So that's in the form of packaging, you know, so glass mm. bottles, 20,000 tons. And jars. Ar- and jars, yeah. Around about 800, kilo- 800 tons leaves the province in the form of recycled glass. The 20,000 tons going in, 800 tons coming out. So that means that there's 19,000 tons of glass sure. left in the environment every month in KwaZulu alone. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And and you were saying you gave me a statistic that day I was with you at your depot and you said it costs you one Rand fifty per kilo to collect whatever it is, and in the case of glass you can sell for fifty nine cents a kilo. So you can start seeing the the economics That's there a are, business are not, model that doesn't no, work. Yeah. No. Um did I get those figures right, Andrew? Yeah. Okay. So on average we work on remember that we also do have a focus on labor intensive um operations. So maybe some recyclers would argue that one rand fifty is that we could do it for one rand twenty or something. But we still we sell in bulk to the market and we still only get fifty nine cents a kg. So we have to subsidise every kilogram. Caroline, thank you, making a very important point on the WhatsApp line, saying that I really hope the conversation will also focus on the five R's of refuse, reduce, reuse, rot, and only as a last resort recycle. We're at the point where we have to start consuming much more consciously, moving away from overpackaged goods, be they recyclable or otherwise. Taking your own reusable bags, taking your own reusable containers for that matter, and reducing our household waste footprints. Maybe you end up with nothing to recycle because you have shopped intelligently. Very, very important point, it is Caroline. Important yeah. point. Refuse and reuse the first two most important ones that, that come. And so interrogating suppliers about their choice of packaging. I sit on a packaging um, awards um, judging panel every yep. year. And that's what becoming a, I've seen since 2013 the the recycling element has has become much more important to us in terms of you know lovely package but is it recyclable is it over packaging all those sorts of things so yeah. for example um, a Andrew will uh, confirm this for me um, on Monday your PET is your is your most popular valuable um, plastic bottle yep. the clear ones on on demand um, the brown and the green ones. Less so. So why are we still getting apple tizer and stony ginger beer and, um, I don't know, lemon twist in colored uh, PET? 
now in 2019, when the imper- you know the the, the 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 waste pickers or the reclaimers are less likely to pick it up and recycle it, yeah. because they're going to get less for it when they take it to a to a recycling plant. So, so is it really does the branding come first, or in 2019 should the fact? So we should be asking these questions of of the of the producers. Absolutely. Just before we bring Andrew back, a, a voice note from somebody uh, I think with a question about PET bottles. Let's take a listen. Thanks for an interesting topic. I noticed you keep mentioning pet bottles at 65%. Could you tell us what the percentage recycling for pet overall is, for example, panets and other packaging? Okay, I don't know if... Um, well, will I, Andrew be- I, I, the, well I'll, I'll answer it quickly and then Andrew can... Um, we've done this on the show, actually, because yeah. I, I remember saying, you know, that, that punnet that your strawberries or your little tub, the plastic tub that your blueberries come in, is it recyclable? No, it is PET, but they're called thermoforms. So they are transported in a nest, anything mm-hmm. that can nest one into the other. In order to pull those out easily, they put a silicone or some additive in there that makes it easy to do that, and then that messes up... They, the they can't be recycled. Yeah. So they are working on, um, I know Extra Pet in, in, in Gauteng is working on um, some, Andrew might want to speak to this, yeah. some, to, some, some way of making that recyclable. But um, currently, um, it isn't, it's, it's one of, a form of PET which isn't currently being recycled. And you think of the volume of that. That's a major it's problem. A huge amount, so yeah. thank you for yeah. that question. And let's bring Andrew back in again. Um, Andrew, any, any, anything to add to what Wendy's just said about PET outside of the bottle range? Yeah, so I mean, Wendy, spot on. Um, pretty much, it's not recycled. The PET bottles are reasonably well recycled, and the rest of the PET ranges are, are virtually impossible to move to market. Um, so, and and I think the the other point that Caroline made, I fully agree. You know, we need to be thinking about reducing the amount of packaging. One of the points that we're chasing hard on is we're saying that. Um, if you put the packaging out, you need to take responsibility for making sure it comes back. So it's this idea of an extended producer responsibility. I love that. Um, and, and, you know, that is very definitely the way the world's moving. The, the hard line with that is that if you are a company putting it out and you have to account for that cost, it goes onto your um, balance sheet yeah. and it's a, it's a cost. And so you're going to focus on reducing it. At the moment, there's no cost to that. Um, but it is coming. I know that the South African government is fighting hard to put it in place. And, of course, packaging uh, producers in South Africa are fighting back. But that's going to be, we have to get that right. If we don't get that right, we're going to just see more and more mountains of material piling. Okay. Okay. Um, Wendy, I know while Andrew was with us, you wanted to talk about a couple of the projects yes. that you visited in, in Howick. So, Andrew, I haven't been able to stop thinking about those two things. It's felt like I'd stepped into sort of future forward and got a glimpse of, of, um, how things could, wonderful ways in which, um, really grotty plastic can be, um, repurposed, recycled into something useful. So one of them, um, you, you had that, um, I don't know what to call it. It's a machine. It's a, it's a, it's a, what would you call it? Um, this big black thing. Um, it uh, takes the least recyclable plastics, the multi-layers, those softener refills. By the way, better to buy your softener in a, in a bottle rather than the really? refill because the bottle can be recycled. Remember we checked this? Yes, and, and the, the packet And the refills yeah. can't. So all those refills are, are multi-layers, so they can't easily be recycled. Those are ho- really horrible thin bags. All that horrible plastic, one part of that added to two parts of crushed glass produces building blocks that are um, 
actually three times stronger than your ordinary cement blocks. The idea is to sell them for the same price. This little plant can make about 200 a month. You use all that recyclable material. material. And um, if you think of this rolled out into um, a lot of areas, what it could do for you know reducing the waste, creating jobs, creating a very wonderful product in that building block for no extra cost. So, Andrew, over to you, please. Do tell us a little bit more because you said it was a world first, and as I say, the the the, the possibilities seem quite incredible to me. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, thank you. I think you've done a great job of describing it. So <laughs> we talk about our green or ocean brick, um, and effectively, it started off for us where we we realised that at least 50% of the plastic packaging that goes out is simply not recyclable because it is, it's either multi-layered plastic or it's multi-material. So it's a mix of plastic and foil and cardboard. So we've been working on that for a while. A couple of years ago, we launched our green desks, which was the first time mm. we'd been able to um, partner with extruders to, yeah. to turn that into planks and produce desks. But that was expensive. So we've now got this next step where we're able to, as you say, combine all of that. We talk about, you know, this unrecyclable plastic waste, um, melt it down, and then we mix it with glass. Now, glass is interesting. I, I said earlier that glass is a problem. So there's mountains of glass out there. And, um, you know, when we talk about recycling, recycling in Cape Town, Joburg, Urban, reasonably good, you go just 100 k's down the road, you near the smaller town, and there's virtually no recycling because they're off the grid. So our thinking is to be able to establish green brick plants in towns like Amsata and Mkuzi and Newcastle um, and basically hoover up the glass and the plastic waste in those towns and turn them into uh, building blocks, which can then be used for construction purposes. Such a lovely image that hoover it up. Yeah. And I have to just say an aside because this was like greeny heaven for me. The building that this plant is housed in that makes these bricks is it's sort of like a, um, an orangey clay type brick with green and white flecks in it. And the story is that about seven years ago, Unilever had this cup of soup promotion where you got a mug if you bought the cup of soup. But they, they were... They were, they, were, they were faulty, these mugs. There was a hairline crack in the handles, and they were worried you can imagine the potential yeah. for Ooh. harm. So they recalled about 600,000 of these things, and they landed up at Andrew's plant, crushed them up, made bricks from them. So this beautiful plant making, brick making plant is housed in this copper soup uh, brick building with, mm. with its gutters connected to these giant Jojo tanks. You can just imagine. Fantastic. It's just like a gl- glimpse at the future. And the other thing I want to quickly talk about is. Um, is your your green petrol, Andrew? You're turning the yogurt tubs. Can you imagine this? Yogurt tubs put in through this this manufacturing process, this recycling process that makes green fuel that Andrew you're actually using, starting to use to fuel some of your trucks. I just love this one. Why don't you just tell us a little bit, just as quick as you can, about yeah, that? Yeah. So we we talk about our plastic fuel. Um, again, we figured out a few years ago that polyprop was actually a problem so we were piling it up so think yogurt containers margarine containers ice cream containers and um, so we started pursuing solutions working with a fantastic company in um, Durban called the pyrolysis group Um, and what they have figured out is how to build modular pyrolysis and fuel refineries so we've got this 
is essentially, um, think, two containers back-to-back. The first one you put in um, ice cream containers, yogurt containers, and it turns it into a, a bunker fuel that then goes into a refinery right there on site, and we're getting um, what is, is known as LSF5, um, out of it, which is fuel that goes into trucks that use diesel. Um, and we also get a portion of petrol. And so we are now starting to get to the point where we're collecting this material, we're processing it, and we are putting it into the vehicles that we're using to collect the recycling that goes back into the I just love that so much. I mean, that's just a, a circle, uh, I, I know. circle that is and so I beautiful. Saw it and it was just, it just made my week. So thank you right. very much, Andrew. Um, to be continued, I hope to come back to you in a year or so and see where you, where you are with that one. And I hope to hear of massive growth in both of those projects. Dr. Andrew Fenter, thank you for your time. The CEO of Wild Trust talking about some of the incredible things, uh, that are being done with, with products that would otherwise end up on the dump. Um, right. Uh, somebody's saying, please talk about recycling cigarette butts. I would love to pick up a few tons <laughs> and return those to the cigarette companies. They are, yes, are yes. insidious, aren't they? If you've ever mm. done a beach cleanup, mm. you'll know that you I find do. them absolutely everywhere. Um, is it true that croc shoes are unrecyclable? <laughs> they shouldn't have been made in the first place. I, I'm actually wearing a pear of <laughs> Oopsie, wheelies. Oh dear. Okay, there's some very interesting comments about recycling coming through and we will get back to those. What we're going to do is take a short break and then play our secret something competition and then come back uh, for an update on a previous story, some more of your comments on recycling and I hope time for a couple of uh, open line calls as well. So if you have got another consumer issue you'd like to talk about, give us a call now on 021-446-0567. Cape Talk. Consumer Talk. You can email Wendy on consumer at nola.co.za. Right, let's just deal with a couple of uh, the uh, recycling comments before we go on to the next story update. Uh, lots of people still asking questions, Wendy, about what can so and many. can't be recycled, which tells you how much need there is for consumer education. Um, Colleen, yes, we will absolutely podcast the conversation. Thanks for your interest. You will find it on the website and uh, the Cape Talk app after the show. France is asking on the SMS line why there are non-returnable glass bottles used for beer. Are these bottles not reusable? Uh, it's a very good question. I would imagine it's, it's like with everything. It's probably down to economics. Maybe, mainly the maybe the cost of um, you know collecting and cleaning and and all of that um, is prohibitive. I mean, some of them are. They have quartz and things are that can be returned as can for example the coca-cola bottle that uh, somebody says i get one rand 50 every time i take back my 500 bill glass bottle so is that still not worth it then that's being reused though not recycled if i understand correctly it's being being washed out and put back into the system but yeah there shouldn't that amount of especially if the market is not strong it's not viable from a recycling point of view the, mm. the reusable thing should then take over because we have, you know, refuse, reuse. Can't see the refusing of the glass bottles happening with alcohol anytime soon. But yeah, yeah, the reusing should then be happening. Absolutely. Maybe we should be looking at that. Yeah. So thank you. And thank you also to the person reminding us that, that there are more aspects than just recyclability to consider in your choice of what you accept as packaging. Somebody's pointing Couldn't out the carbon, more. the carbon footprint of glass is huge because of the transport costs, because the of the, the electricity required mm. to produce it um, and the, you know, to heat the sand to the point that it, that it melts is massive. So there are many other factors that you also need to consider, yes. which is why Caroline's comment was so pertinent. Very much so. I is, think is, yeah, is really to be we, a savvy consumer who thinks about whether you really yeah. need the packaging at all. We we get quite um, 
bogged down in, in demonizing plastic and rightly so. But as you know, again, just because it's not plastic doesn't mean it doesn't have quite a major environmental impact. In another and, way. And yeah. look, so look at what it costs to make it, the, the impact on the environment and also how um, effectively it's being recycled once it's in the environment. So lots to consider and there's so much information on the internet. Get a good source and, and get clued up. Alan in Newlands has an idea. He w- thinks wants to know why we don't send some of our unrecycled waste back up the Saldana Sishan railway line and put it back down the iron ore mine. This <laughs> <laughs> is something I haven't thought I, of. I don't know if anybody has ever considered that before, Alan. Uh, of course, then it's yeah, you're not really getting ready, but you're just hiding it away. But mm-hmm. uh, it would be better if we could eliminate Re-purpose. the non-recyclables and recycle everything that could be possibly. Um, yeah, Dennis in Pretoria saying I saw something interesting on Sky or the BBC. See a shop where you could bring your own container for dishwashing yes. and cleaning liquids, yes. and they would decant at point of sale. Dennis, it's starting to it happen is. here come, in South Africa. There's one in Johannesburg. I read yep. up on about it just recently, and it's it's. Um, I think there's just this morning there was something tweeted about I think a store, one of the Waitrose stores in the UK, mm. um, and I think you're going to see that starting to explode where they have these big vats of of stuff, uh, your, your brands, etc. You go with your own containers. And I personally, if it was um, convenient for me, if it was, I would go a little bit out of my way, but if it was somewhere in my area, I, I would, would certainly do it, w- yeah. wider area, I would make a, a, a deliberate choice to go and shop there. Definitely. Absolutely. We've got another voice note on recycling. Let's take a listen. It always amazes me that the actual product manufacturers don't get more involved with the recycling of the packaging materials that they are Generate. putting out there. Mm. I think there's a lot of potential for... Um, cheaper products if we can use recycled packaging for those products. don't know if anybody else thinks this is a viable option. So in fairness, I have to say that a lot of them are doing that. And Petco, for example, is something, there are committees that all the plastic producers in South Africa, they they, they don't just get involved, they contribute a portion of their profits to, to yes, those organizations to, to, to fund it. Absolutely. So, I'm actually going to the AGM tomorrow morning and I'm, I will come back armed with a lot more facts okay. and figures. So that we can maybe share. do a, a follow up on that. Yes. Okay, great. For now, Wendy, you did promise us a follow up on another story on a completely different okay. topic uh, that has been covered several times on the show. Yes, and on um, others yeah. because it's, we need to get the word out, but so many people have been getting caught. This is good news. So we, it's, it's, it's a telecom directory listing scam, basically. Um, they open any directory, you get the, you know, a bold listing is paid for by the company. They're normally small to medium sized companies as, as an advert, so they pay for it and it comes as an extra on their bill every month. Mm-hmm. And so these campuses sit and they go through these books and they get them from all over. It's, it's, it's countrywide. And they'll make a call and the person who answers the phone gets asked, um, we want to just confirm your listing. What is your email address? Because now they've, they've got another piece of information. Yeah. And they, then comes this um, form. They fill in the details and sign, and they the ones that get caught just ignore this large wadge of very almost impossible to read uh, small print stating that actually you're agreeing to a subscription for either 12 or 24 months to some obscure online listings directory that no one ever looks at, and it's it's between six and eight thousand rand. And then the real scam happens where the person says, "Oh no, I didn't agree to that. It's not you're not telecom. You thought you were telecom," um, and then comes the 
so-called debt collectors, uh, strong arm tactics, phoning relentlessly, badgering, threatening with blacklisting and all the rest. And a lot of people pay up out of fear or out of just simply to make them go away because they are relentless. So last, um, I've been encouraging people to complain for the council to the council for debt collectors because you have to be registered with them and you have to operate under a certain code of conduct in order to be operating legally. So um, I'm very happy to report that last week, um, two of these operators, I'm not sure if they're linked, they have almost identical modus operandis, but they were found guilty of um, improper conduct. There were 20 complainants between the two of them. The charges ranged from not being registered to not identifying themselves properly in their correspondence, charging legal fees, if you don't mind, document fees, and failing to include their company or CC number in correspondence. Of course, the original debt then swelled with these yeah. illegal fees. So the people were being asked to pay huge amounts. Both um, entities, and, and in each case, there was the name of the company and the person that uh, that owns it. Both were accused of creating the false impression, and this is the part that I really like, creating the false impression that the debt collecting company was a separate entity. Um, in other words, their client, yeah. whereas, in fact, they were all one and the same, which I always knew. But this was nice to get the proof. So there you have it. If you are one of the many being hounded for payment, they are... If they are stupid enough to continue, because he has the news, they were each fined a hundred thousand rand, um, of which ninety thousand was suspended uh, for I think it was three months, on condition that they, um, they three months they or desist. three years yeah, they desist. desist. From, yeah. So they have to pay the ten thousand rand each of them by the end of the month, end of June. Um, if they're stupid enough to continue, and I suspect they might be because they don't think there's going to be an enforcement, but you, you, you don't have to just take my word for it. They are operating illegally. They have been found to be operating illegally by the Debt Collectors Council. And you just say, totally disengage, um, put the phone down, don't answer the emails. They are very much hoping that you will give in to pressure and, and, and pay. Um, I've had a lot of, um, the receptionists and the like who've either paid or want to pay up the amount themselves because they're too frightened to tell the boss that they got caught by this and didn't read the small print. So this message is definitely um, particularly aimed at them. Do not, do not give in, do not pay, do not take a loan to pay this lot. Um, And the Consumer Commission, National Consumer Commission in Pretoria is apparently, according to the Council for Debt Collectors, also in investigating the you know how they mainly make their money out of those contracts but i think it's fair to say if we they they really the, the scam really works once the debt collectors and inverted commas get involved so if that that operation is shut down properly this scam should after four years now i think it's been should end i'll be watching that closely but please spread the word you know do not pay do not engage just well first of all okay. read the small print so you don't get caught in the first place yeah. if you are in the position where you've been caught just just disengage they're a completely illegal operation and if you want to also be part of blowing on the whistle if they do carry on yes. trying please report them it's um the council for debt collectors website is cfdc Council for Debt Collectors. So cfdc.org.za. Let them know that it's happening. So just make a note of who they said they were, what date and time they phoned you, and, and straight away report it. Because and then the rest of that final case. Exactly. Yeah. 90,000. So let's, let's do it. I'd just love to see them pay the full so amount. Would I. I really would. After so all would the people I. that they've caught. Okay. I think we've got time for one last voice note, have we? Good afternoon, Wendy and Papa. Um, I received this SMS yesterday 
that says uh, it's mixed, it's upper and lower case. Um, Always a warning sign. First of all, it made me think about this. Congratulations from SA Motors. SA Motors have awarded you with a brand new VW Polo car, 2019. Model reference number GM1964SA. Contact claim number, which sounds like a cell number to me, 084 909-6414 thanks um, obviously I'm going to ignore this but I thought I would just let you know um, does one take any action on this are you interested in taking this case up thanks this is Roslyn um, it's just unfortunately Roslyn far too many of those doing the rounds it's, it's just a waste of time and energy to try and you know shut those down it's just somebody operating off a cell phone number that they will ditch uh, I think the clue as a motoring journalist <laughs> motoring enthusiasts is they don't even specify which polo is it the vivo is it the main one it's like <laughs> a ridiculous <laughs> that's this game to be all on its own but yeah no, anything you've any prize you've won when you haven't actually entered a competition that's the first clue should that be a big red flag yeah, yeah. that it's not not for so real. ignore delete and uh, and uh, same applies to anybody else who gets it thanks for tripping us off though that the scams yes, thank you very much. yeah wendy thanks a fascinating conversation which will be available as a podcast and uh, we'll chat again next week we will do and a reminder if you'd like to put a case to Wendy, uh, send an email to consumer at nola.co.za, K-N-O-W-L-E-R. Please put Cape Talk in the subject line as well as a word or two about the nature of the complaint.